Hello and welcome to episode three of the Kaizen Better Every Day podcast. Today I am joined with my close friend Connor O'Neill of Know Yourself Performance. Uh, welcome, Connor. Thanks. Uh, I've been I've been very excited to get Connor on because myself and Connor speak at length weekly, uh, and we've been doing so for the last three, four years, just at our own sort of development, we're sort of lean on each other uh, as much as we need to. But Connor owns Know Yourself Performance, a very successful uh, nutritionist focusing initially on GA players, but has since sort of developed out, not just solely working with that niche. Uh, And it's developed into quite the brand uh, nationally. Uh, So Connor, do you want to just Give us give a second and introduce yourself to the listeners. Uh, anything you feel is important for the listeners to know? Yeah, um, well, yeah, I suppose you covered sort of the main points there in terms of like professionally, sort of uh, the know yourself performance end of things, where basically, sort of as a tagline, help uh, young men and GA athletes uh, excel in how they look, think, and perform. And I suppose that came just as a result of. Um, in part uh, relevant to this conversation, us two sort of living together in university and uh, throwing about ideas and different things to get towards business. Where, um, yeah, I suppose that was a catalyst, one of the catalysts that that um, brought us two together, but also developed helped me develop sort of the business end of things. Um, yeah, I suppose I don't know if there's any sort of personal insights or anything that. Um, that I can give up front, but I'm sure we'll get we'll get into that sort of thing. Um, yeah. No, that's that's perfect. I think uh, one of the reasons we had talked about having uh, Eon as a guest is that both our journeys have been so intertwined uh, over the last five six years from sort of living with each other almost accidentally uh, being in a group of lads and again, both of us being on sort of opposite peripheries of the group, not really knowing each other. And just as organizing the houses in Belfast, it ended up that we were living in a two bedroom house together, having not really knew each other bar a handful of conversations. Yeah. And I always talked to him like, that's probably one of the luckiest things that's ever happened to me. Uh, and we have both discussed about whether or not, we would be in the position we're in. Like, I, I definitely wouldn't be in the position I'm in, but I don't know if I would have had, I don't know if I would have had the encouragement to leave my career in engineering to pursue my own business, or if I would have had the, the balls, I suppose, for lack of a better word, to do that. Had we not been living together, talking consistently and developing our ideas, we sort of, we fell into this, we're both didn't realize we both thought similar ways of having a growth mindset of wanting to run our own businesses of wanting a little bit more than actually just engineering which which funny enough we were in in similar lectures uh, you did mechanical engineering and i did aerospace so we had probably half our week's lectures were actually together uh, and here we were living together two lads and uh gaelic and uh sort of having a bit of crack and stuff both doing engineering but both sort of feeling this idea of there's more out there uh i suppose have you any memories or what, what was your when you look back at us starting to live together in that early part of the journey uh have you, have you any stories or any memories of that stage yeah well i suppose uh, before that point it was kind of like the, the reason that we both seemed to end up in engineering um as a as a university degree was that we had some sort of uh we had some sort of 
sort of uh, skill or whatever you want to call it in maths and science and stuff like that. And what was then at that stage told you was, you know, if you're good at maths and you're good at physics, you should probably be an engineer. You know, there's no, there's no guidance around, you know, what suits your, what type of job would suit your personality or, you know, your interests or anything like that. It was kind of like what you're good at, right. We'll throw you in here. And obviously at that age, you don't necessarily have a good idea of, where you want to go in terms of career. So you're relying on, you're relying on essentially your careers teacher who, I don't know about your school, but our school was someone who taught a different subject and was <laughs> thrown in as the careers teacher. So, yep. you know, and as a teacher, like most teachers probably just have that. Uh, they only have that, have had that one job as a teacher. So they don't, they're not necessarily best placed uh, through no fault of their own to give you advice around career apart from what they're sort of looking at in maybe a university prospectus, which is you need this uh, selection of subjects to get into this career. Okay, right. Well, that one needs maths and physics. That means you must be uh, suited well for that. So that's, that was my experience of it anyway, but it ended up that, that way you're in a place where we're doing a degree that, uh, well, I speak to myself. I was in a place where I was doing a degree that didn't really align with what I was sort of interested in, you know, while, I found that the guys in my class who, who you would you would have known and shared classes with were talking about the latest, you know, Rolls-Royce engine or, um, you know, what uh, technology BMW was coming up with next and stuff like that, engineering topics. I was sitting in class, you know, sneakily listening to podcasts about nutrition and training and stuff like that, presuming that, you know, everyone was sort of interested in that stuff, but it, it wasn't the case, you know. Um, so there was no, uh, there was nothing in my head that I would have been had a career and that or anything like that at that stage. It was just the fact that that was something I was interested in as nearly like a hobby and to assist my athletic uh, sort of goals of at the time I was playing for Cross McGlen Rangers and I just sort of been brought into the senior team in the couple of years around university and you know all that research into nutrition and training was around imp- improving my ability to perform with that. But um, as time went on, then uh, spend more time with the likes of yourself. But even before that, looking at uh, people online and a few different people that stuck out as mentors who had never obviously met or talked to, but this, they, were, they were putting up maybe videos, the likes of a guy called Elliot Hulse, who you, you would remember, uh, a few other guys back in the day of, that would have been the first people making a career as uh, nutrition and, and strength and conditioning coaches, different people, Ben Coomber and the likes of those guys who would have been one of the first type of guys in the game. And just seeing those guys from afar and realizing actually there is career opportunities here if you're willing to sort of go at your own. Um, but as you say, you might I might not have ever taken that step if there wasn't someone else who I actually knew and was spending time with. It was in the same boat and the same mindset, such as yourself and maybe a couple of others. Um, but I think us ending up living together was one of the best things to capitalize that and to sort of give me, as you say for yourself, give me the encouragement to go on and maybe pursue something in that realm. But even in our time living together, I wasn't even really thinking about nutrition and training as a career. Uh, no. I was, what was I doing at that time? I think I was, I was doing art and drawings and paintings for people as, as commissions on the side. And like, yeah, I was spending hours and hours of these paintings for people for Christmas presents and stuff and like charging like seriously, like what would have been the equivalent of a pound an hour or two pound an hour for the work I was putting in. And it was like, this isn't going to work. And how, you know, how would that work? 
I actually then started, I set up a few, uh, you might not even notice, I set up a few like weekend, um, weekend workshops or like basically lessons for, for primary school students. I remember uh, that, yeah. I don't know if you're, do you remember that? Yeah. And yeah, yeah I was I put ads in newspapers and everything and up stuff up online and ended up getting two into a class one week. It was like zero in the class the next week, one person in the class. It was, so that was a bit of a time where it was just like, oh, Jesus, you know, kicking the teeth, number one. Um, but then yeah. after, I think after that, like I was just doing that, working away at that and then started to get a good bit of interest in it, but nothing that would have made a, a career. And then, uh, yeah, I think sort of that was just one aspect of like that we would that I would have taken a bit of a plunge with. And I think at the time you were taking the plunge with writing sort of blog articles on the 80 and 15 website. Yeah. Only the true, <laughs> only the true OGs will, will recognize that name. Like, yeah. You touched on so many things. I've made a few notes there, but I think the one thing that I want to sort of pull it back to before we move on yeah. is that making a decision when you're leaving school and then going into a university degree. And there's nearly this expectation that you know what you're supposed to do. And I think you nearly look around you and think like, similarly to you, I had people in my class who were very, very interested in the subject that we were doing and were really passionate about it. Like able to look at planes leaving the airport and like arguing about whether it was a Boeing or an Airbus. And I was turning around looking at them like, are you fucking mad? Like it doesn't like, but the thing about it is that was the thing that they were passionate about. And I think everybody has that, has that little bit of a, has that interest, has that curiosity about certain subjects. It just wasn't engineering for me and it wasn't, uh, and it wasn't for you. But when I looked around, I felt a little bit of a pressure that shit, everyone has their, everyone has their shit together here. I, I'm supposed to know at 20, 21 years of age, what I'm going to do. Like I'm supposed to have the rest of my next 10, 20 years mapped out. I'm going to get in, like get into a good job and, Whilst I wanted to be successful, that route to success for me it didn't align. I didn't really. I was just. I felt this internal like friction with that idea, but I also felt this sunk cost thing where you know, I've spent three years in this degree or four years in this degree. Like, what am I going to do? I have to start from scratch again. And I think that's when it when we talk about the importance of having other people alongside that are on a similar stage of the journey that was critical for me to have someone that I could talk to about that fear of, Oh shit. Like, but what are we going to do if I don't do this? Did you ever think of pulling out of the degree? Is that an option for you? Like I I did, I did a few times, but in my head I was kind of always like, I don't have a plan in place. So I'm going to finish the degree. And to be honest, I can, I think we had the conversation that after placement year, we both had kind of decided we really weren't going to pursue it. And we had one more year to do. Now, you were probably more studious than I was. I essentially decided that I was sitting on like a medium to rel- like to moderately high 2-1. And I was like, if I get a 2-1 on my degree, I'm happy. So I worked out what the bare minimum or the work I needed to do to maintain that, like as a percentage in, in my exams. And then I spent like minimal amount of time studying for my course. And then spent every drop of free time reading books, like, the the element uh like Tim Ferriss four hour work week listening to Christian Guzman and watching Christian Guzman and Elliot Hulse all those people that you talked about that we like see nearly mentors that you'd never met and I like delved all of my time into that as you said you had 
the art. I was starting a blog, uh, Eating 15, that was never monetized in any way. I was just, a, it was kind of like a passion. It was something that I've, I enjoyed writing. I enjoy the uh, like the sort of idea of trying to build a brand. And I was like, how am I going to turn this into something that could be a career? I didn't really see it. I also, like you, I, I tutored. I tutored Maz uh, and Sans. And that was kind of like a little side business for me. Ran GCSE workshops and learned a little bit about putting myself out there and running the business and being responsible for myself. And I quickly seen that, you know what, there's opportunities. Like if I think if I was tutoring and it was like maybe 20 pound a session, I was able to say, well, do you know what, if I can get 20, 15, 20 people tutoring across a week, that's more than I would take home in a graduate job. And I would also have a lot more free time to do a lot of other things. And that was, those yeah. sort of ideas started to, to like mourn it for me. I think that's, uh, that's it like not to delve too much into the business side of things but like that thing you just mentioned was a real game changer for me when i when i when it clicked at me was that idea of uh right how much money do you need to make to say you know justify or to to fuel your life or whatever and working it out in terms of this amount of customers times this amount of money gives me that so let's say you you know typical graduate job might be what 24 25 grand a year uh say 24 for easy maths would be two grand a month right so that is 200 200 pound times 10 so how do i get 200 how do i get 10 people to pay me 200 pound or 100 people to pay me 20 pound and like just breaking it down to that and it could it could be anything we get uh 2000 people to pay me one pound or one person to pay me 2000 pound whatever it is you know, to, to work it out in that way, I find that really like a, a game changer because it gives you a bit of reality and you can actually go, geez, I, I, could, I could actually charge a hundred pounds and I think I could get 20 people to pay me that, like um, for just for an example of that amount. But yeah, I think that was just something, just wanted to touch on that. Like. Yeah, I think uh, like we're obviously like love talking about all things business. Um, I suppose the we, we've spoken about this before. There may be people like there probably is a lot of people listening that have like zero interest in business, have no real desire to start their own business, have a passion of a job they're passionate about, and or maybe the thing that they find that their element is it's a it's a hobby passion. It's not something they want to monetize. Uh, and the the idea behind this podcast in general is to help people achieve better whatever they define that to be uh, in their own life. Uh, so I'm going to change gears a wee bit just in case the people that are a little bit disinterested in just a purely business talk will not uh, will not be able to relate as much. So I, I think one of the things that the, the philosophies and the overarching philosophies we we talk about all the time is having a growth mindset uh, and this idea that you're not a fixed entity that provided that you learn and that you spend time you can always expand your ability you can expand your thing and that that like reaches far beyond just things that are monetary businesses that can be your passions that's like that's and probably that's a, a better application of that would be in our creative or artistic endeavors like yourself with the art that you find the more hours you spent on it the more things you learned uh, or whether it's a musical endeavor but I, like, I know myself, but uh, we have had so many conversations uh, about this. I just want to, to give the listeners a bit of an insight for you, uh, yourself. Like, what are your views on like, the importance of a growth mindset uh, in, in achieving or bringing yourself towards that best version? Well, I suppose it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a prerequisite as such. I mean, if you define the growth mindset as the belief that you can um, change who you are and you can change your behaviors and attitudes, 
it's kind of a prerequisite to achieving something more than you're currently achieving. Um, so I think it's probably is it probably an essential now in terms of fostering that in yourself or fostering in other people. I'm not exactly sure how how to go about that. I think probably having role models and examples of people who have gone from one space in their life to a different, better place is probably like something if you needed proof that there is the ability there to grow and to change, probably looking at people and seeing people, whether they're people you don't, you don't know personally or better yet, someone who you're close to and know. I think that can be sort of a proof that it is possible to, to change and to grow and to change who you are and your beliefs and everything else. But I think even at that, people can see other people in that, uh, do that and believe that about themselves and maybe they would think of themselves that they couldn't do that uh, and aren't able to change um, and yeah I don't really have any good answers as to how you can foster that within yourself but I think it is a prerequisite to actually achieving something something great or something better than where you currently are yeah no I, I think we've we've both had so many conversations about this here and about the the idea of having a growth mindset of having an abundance mindset uh for the like growth mindset we've all already touched on abundance mindset for those the listeners that don't know uh, abundance by peter diamandis i think there's gonna be a ted talk on it if you don't want to read the full book but it's just the idea that life's not a zero-sum game that if you want like there are any god's amount of opportunities out there for every whatever you want to do whatever you want to spend your time doing that there are opportunities uh, out there to be grasped and it's not a if i have more that means you have less it's a the more everyone develops themselves the more everyone sort of seeks out more whether that's knowledge whether that's development even if that's monetary or financial then it will work out best for everyone the best thing that we can we can have and if we, we've we've chatted a few times generally speaking the people that will be drawn to listening to this type of content and something that literally says better every day in the title they'll already have that growth mindset to a certain degree that they're already seeking out things resources to try and make take a small step towards better and i think i i like to just focus on sort of small 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 bites too fast case and this is like the japanese philosophy of continuous and gradual improvement and that's something that like it's it embodies we, we've sort of found this word and i i like kaizen and I found it through engineering and we always laugh about I I was too stupid to realize just how good of a name it was to embody <laughs> like to embody everything that like my brand was about everything that like I am about I was like oh that's kind of a good name it means growth uh, and as time went on it's kind of been like oh actually that's that's crazy how much like the levels to to that to that name and its representation it even brings in the engineering aspect like of your of what you went through <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's it, it i think we didn't i had got it there was a case and process that made famous by toyota basically pick a pr- part of the process in a factory make it one percent better make it two seconds better then pick something else suddenly cures go from taking 16 hours to produce one unit to two hours from start to finish to make a, a unit and like i thought for fitness and for health that was such such a useful analogy that you could take one small aspect whether that's taking your breakfast or how you approach your training or one small facet of it and improving it and then picking something else and the accumulation of those changes uh, but it does expand way past that and we've we've had so many conversations about it i'm gonna change gears a little and 
talk a wee bit more about like as the journey uh, as the journey goes on i like to talk to people about failures but like probably not so much failures just in terms of low points uh, and stages of doubt because i know this is something that we, we've both went through but if you want to give the listeners a wee because i think we create this perception when we're talking about maybe our businesses or our development that it was a linear path point a to point b uh, and very few people actually see the insight to what developing yourself, what developing a business looks like. And then there are so many low points in yours, like on the outs from the outside looking in, uh, looks like a very straightforward success for story, step by step by step. Being beside you most of that time, I know it wasn't that straightforward. Uh, so, if, do you want to do you want to tell the listeners just a little bit about? Like speak to speak to that. Speak to low points you've had. Like yeah, work when the situation around them. It was it was something I was reading this morning, and it was talking about the difference between quitting and failing. I said it's not the same thing. It's like if you if you're strategically choosing to quit something, it's different than a failure because a failure is something that you've tried, and it's it's actually quite hard to define uh, what a failure is because. I think about the the, the part I mentioned there about the art, and you know trying to sort of make a go at it and uh, selling different pieces and doing different commissions and stuff like that. I can't really define it as a failure because I didn't really see it through to any end. It wasn't as if I, you know, tried it for three, four, five years and really put in the hours to the point where, where it was given the chance to be successful. So I can't really say that was necessarily a failure or anything like that. But at the same time, the, the small sort of things of like trying to you know set up those workshops i talked about and like not not as many people showing up as i thought were going to show up um like yeah that's going to be as a point where that's going to be like a kick in the teeth for anyone when you've gone to the bother of like creating a whole structure to a class and putting out adverts and newspapers and all this different stuff and next thing you show up and there's a couple of people there um wondering where everyone else is as such but uh like that 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 would be one example i suppose of like a i don't know if it's a low point because at that time i think when you're starting out especially like you have that enough energy to cope with that sort of stuff you nearly presume it's going to be part of the process i don't know maybe maybe people don't but uh just from listening to, to other people's experience previously it's like you nearly expect those low points to be part of the process so it's not as if it's a failure um but that would have been the point where i obviously would have been disappointed about it would have been just sort of keeping keeping going and saying how oh, will it be better next week and everything else um but i, cho- I, I in some ways chose to to give that to, to jack that in a little bit and focus on other things once the idea of um putting my interest in nutrition and fitness and stuff into maybe uh, developing that as a career um and then along the way of that obviously there was plenty of times where financially things weren't you know, in a good place in terms of like, same with any business in the first couple of years, like you're not expecting to, well, maybe we probably was expecting, but you shouldn't be expecting to, to two or three months into the business to have this successful thing that's paying your bills and everything else. So uh, yeah, I would have been working in a coffee shop for maybe two, three, say three, maybe four, could be in three and a half or four years in a coffee shop whilst sort of going through that time of doing the art and transitioning then into the nutrition and fitness side of things. And the whole way along that, I was obviously trying to promote the brand and get that off the ground, but it meant working full time in a coffee shop to pay the bills at the, in the same time. So sure, there was plenty of low points along the way where I was wondering, when is this going to get to the point where 
I'm not having to, to work a full-time job and a second full-time job of trying to build a business. Um, and that would have led to, yeah, well, that would have led to a sort of a decision with, as I sort of mentioned, I would have been playing football at like relatively high level for, for club football. Like it would have been first year I would have come on to the team. We had won, we, we were we won in all Ireland. Like, so that was the level. And, and with that came along a lot of responsibility in terms of being able to commit to training, regardless of the fact that you're living in Belfast. Uh, we would have been up and down the road three times a week at least um, to make those training sessions and everything else. And it was a case of, at that point, deciding what I wanted to do and what I had to prioritize because I couldn't be doing that plus working a full-time job plus uh, studying to get my qualifications in nutrition and, and strength and conditioning and stuff plus trying to build a business. It was like something had to give there. So I had to make the choice at that point. And that would have been, I would I don't know if I'd necessarily call it a low point, but that was definitely a big decision that I had to make. And it was, be, was very nervous about making it and wondering was it the right thing because football at that point would have been and I maybe didn't realize it at the time, but it would have been a big part of my sort of identity as a person. Like, you know, I would have thought of myself yeah. as a footballer and someone who played uh, at a high level and stuff like that. Um, but decided that football was the one thing that had to sort of go whilst I was building the business and working full time and stuff like that as well. So maybe that would have been sort of a, maybe defined as a bit of a low point along the way. Um, although once I'd made that decision, I knew it was the right decision. Um and yeah, I don't know if any specific other low points along the way, but I can definitely say that there has been times where I've been going, is this the right thing to do? Should I keep going at this? Like, this is not working right. Should I be going back and looking at that engineering job again uh, to see what, like, I think there probably was a point where I was on uh, a job website going, like, is there options here for me? Like, is there something that I might like in engineering? Is there something like, and that was, that might've been three years into posting stuff on social media if, under know yourself nutrition brand and like working with a few people still and like selling ebooks and all that there and that would have been me sitting at home going is this working like and thankfully like when you go through that stage like from maybe there's a point where there's a bit of a bit of it's kind of like the hero i'm not going to go into the hero's journey necessarily but the, if you look up the concept of the hero's journey there's a point where you're in the underworld, you're in that point of despair and like the belly of the whale, as it would be depicted in movies and stuff like that. But when you can get, if you can get through that, you'll, you, you'll come out the other side with the, usually some form of gift uh, or praise, as it's usually known in the, in the movies, like of being able to, to take something from that experience and move on. And that for me would have been then the, the business, when I got through that stage, the business then started the growth and sort of hit a tipping point where everything was good in that sense, where it was all sort of financially taken care of and, you know, there was no worries around that. And yeah, I think that's, that's the point you get to. And then the, then the downsides or the low points become different. It's more of a existential thing where it's like, am I doing the right thing in terms of following my interests? And is there something more to be gotten out of this? Should I be moving in a different direction? is this like creatively fulfilling and stuff like that, which are better problems to have definitely than can I pay the bill next month? And you know, how am I going to get time to work on the business and stuff like that? So yeah, there's definitely been points along the way where it's been doubtful and um, uncomfortable, uh, but that's all part of it. Like if you want to do something different than anyone else, than everyone else is doing, then you're going to have to face some form of struggle along the way. Otherwise everyone would do it, you know? 
Yeah, there's a quote. I'm going to butcher it. Uh, if you want different to what everyone else has got, you have to be prepared to do different than everyone else does. Uh, yeah. I know I've completely butchered that, but that's the that's Great the premise. Sense. I made so many notes there because there's so many different points that we could touch on that I know we would go down rabbit holes for hours on. But I think the big thing that I would speak to probably both of us initially, uh, you talked to, you kind of expect it, expect there to be low points. Uh, and this is something that I've been thinking of lately. I think we, through the content and through the resources we were digesting very early in our journey, uh, probably Gary V, Gary V and our Chuck would have been the main one. Uh, and he talked so much about hustle, so much about just keep going. Like it's going to, and telling you and being very real about it, it's going to be tough at the start and expecting this, expecting it. Like we, I think we almost romanticized that, like, that difficult part of the journey and maybe a bit romanticize it maybe a wee bit that it was like we talk all the time that were like like we didn't know we were so naive and there was just so much naivety between the two of us that we expected oh we're going to start this uh, it'll be t- it'll be tough for a month or two and then we're going to take off and we're going to do really well and we're going to be talking about that month or two that it was really fucking tough and that was <laughs> that was never like, the, the issue is what like you romanticize that that idea of like oh well i'm gonna you know getting up early and like working all hours a day but to be honest like that's that's easy stuff that's the stuff you think about when you think about that it's like you never consider the idea of like christmas is coming around and you don't have enough money to buy your mom a birthday present or a christmas present that like there's nothing romantic about that <laughs> but no, that's not what uh, you think about you know <laughs> Uh, the, the thing I've, uh, the thing I'm so drawn to is that so many people, so many people that you talk to that are successful, when they talk back and they're kind of like talking about the journey, so often it tends to be the time they tend to spend a, a, like a good portion of the time talking about that low point and almost sort of smiling back on it as if, as you say, like going to like the the valley of the whale and like the underworld, like that's the point that that like makes or breaks you so much and everyone says that it's a cliche and like so many stories we have so many podcasts we've listened to so many books and everyone talks and it follows that hero's journey there's a reason that's the popular format for most stories where it's like you call to action you like basically you find some new power you find a mentor you, you reach the bottom and then from that it's turned around and you and you get to the next stage and then the cycle repeats itself but i think everyone romanticizes that and i i I actually remember now this is like probably to, to myself my own story of like different people but the one that always jumps out in my mind as you said about Christmas presents is my mum mentioning that like I think my dad when he first started going out on his own uh, like in the early 90s or late 80s whatever it was or sorry early 90s because I think myself and my sister were, were very 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 young at the time and that it was coming around to Christmas time and they were like wondering like maybe they were waiting on two or three like people paying them that didn't pay them and it was like where are we getting money for christmas here uh, and i always remember that now they're like like probably financially secure now and they're fine and that's not a worry that they have but that's something that they talk about and they talk about and like when i hear that i'm like yeah like that's that's great i think one of the things i always think about is for the first year that Kaizen was operating like I think I paid myself 12 grand for that year something like something something mental like where people and people would be talking to me like oh god the gym's going really well like the gyms are and I was just going like I was like kind of feeling this bit of imposter thing of like the gym technically was growing it was going in the right direction but it was still me running it everything start to finish and getting up 
five o'clock every morning to do the early sessions, finishing up, cleaning up the gym, being like getting out of the gym at half nine, doing it all over again, spending the daytime learning and trying to develop the business so it could grow and we could hire somebody. And it like, as much as you romanticize it when you're thinking about, oh, this is going to be like, I'm going to be talking about this. I fucking hated it at the time. Like I, <laughs> I always say, and even sometimes when like we talk about early morning sessions and sometimes like some of the coaches give me a bit of chip, they're like, oh, Colin's not going to do the morning sessions. And I'm like, I did them for three years constantly. Like I've, I've served my time as far as morning sessions are concerned. I have no interest in doing morning sessions anymore. Yeah. Uh, so it is, it is one of those things that, as much as like it is that like is it the Jocko Willink thing? It's like embrace the suck. It's like that's that's such a good part of it. Whether you're developing your business, whether you're developing like your body or whatever it is, it tends to be those like chunks of adversity that are like that form you. Uh, yeah. Like in like wherever you are. I remember like thinking about that. Like when we were sort of winning games across and stuff, it would have been like those sessions. There would have been particular sessions that I remember to this day where we were doing like 200 meter there used to be a thing we used to do with 200 meter runs and it had to be done under a certain time each run and like a certain amount of break in between and i remember one night doing it was over 40 200 meter runs and uh within a certain time at a certain speed with a certain amount of rest and it was it broke certain boys uh, and like no one could judge them guys from being broken because it was a break like it was a break in session but everyone came through it and everyone by the end of it had done what they could do. And it was the session that everyone looked back on at the end of that year and said, that was that like, we were going into games saying we, the reason we did that, that session and the reason we've been putting in these sessions is to make us for this day, you know? So the adversity was something that we always looked back on and was like, that was the thing that was pushing us on. So the reason that like you're going through that adversity is partially like, to justify like it justifies um the end that comes from it like uh it's, it's, probably to, to further sorry just to interrupt to further my point connor was talking about 200 meter runs and a slog session he had a smile on his face as he was <laughs> as he was depicting that image extremely strange but <laughs> that is the feeling that i have with those sessions now you know and it's kind of like we were talking about there is like you remember those that uh at the time that the things that aren't great you remember them then with a certain fondness because you're looking back and you're going right at least they're over and i came through it there's what a quote there was some quote that i can't remember who said it or whatever but it was something like at the start the end justifies the means but then by the end the means justifies the end so it took me a while to get my head around that but it was essentially like when you're going through those tough times you're thinking about the end goal and that's what's justifying you going through those times but by the time you get to that end goal the end goal isn't what really matters it's not what gives you joy it's looking back at what you had gone through that actually justifies the end by that stage which is like a bizarre thing but it's kind of it's kind of cool that, that, that's actually I was, I was laughing there as you said that that's, that's insanely inter- interesting I think we've all like we've landed on this over and over and over again um like stress is the stimulus for growth like if you like whether that's your like your physical body like developing under like strain and like training or like whether it's weight training or sprinting or whatever it is like stress is the stimulus stimulus for growth or formative experiences some of the worst experiences in your life normally reap like normally like for good or for bad, shape you uh, into the person you are. We've talked about this at length, maybe in later episodes, uh, like we'll, we'll talk more uh, about it. But adversity is a thing that nobody wants to do at the time, 
but everyone wants the benefit of having been through it. Uh, and it's an important thing to, to remember. And we kind of tried to, I suppose, not hack that or just keep that front of mind a little bit. Because as much as talking about adversity is a good thing, when something happens that's a shit situation, it's so easy to just immediately be like, oh, God, like you just re- you become reactive and you react emotionally. Uh, and one of the things myself and Connor would do, uh, and Connor will maybe tell a, uh, tell a bit of a story, like we have a accountability club. We meet like basically once a week for the last four years, whether virtual or in person. Uh, and uh, if I come in and I say to Connor, uh, do you know what? Things are going really, really well. Uh, Connor has a can response, and that's just what we both have can response. Do you want to let the listeners know what that is? If I come in and tell you things are going really well, what do you say in response? Yeah, so I think it was like I, I actually I think it was like Carl Jung. It was like an interview with Carl Jung or something where he was talking about like he was talking about like what he he would he was doing with his friends it was like any time they come in with like bad news, you're like oh, oh let's pop open a bottle of champagne. That's great to hear because the next thing that was coming was probably going to be a good thing. And then we could, when someone come in trying to celebrate something, he would say, oh, sorry to hear that. Like, you know, because the next thing was going to be a, a downward slope. So it's always just, it's just a sort of a funny thing. But like, you, you sort of have to presume like when things are bad, that something's going to come that's going to be better. Uh, and maybe it's not a bad thing that when things are going well to just be prepared for a downward slope on the other side. Like, Yeah, I think I, I, I always remember because we would definitely have been guilty uh, in the early time of her career probably me more so than you of either getting too high with the highs or getting too low with the lows uh, and either way like you can't you can't attach yourself whether that's growing a little bit or whether that's half a dozen clan leaving half a dozen clans leaving you in a short space of time whatever it is but that sort of simple thing of me coming in sort of like my chest out and you going, oh, I'm sorry to hear that it's just that context of oh right okay things might be great now yeah. but like tomorrow is another day like it, it might fall apart tomorrow and just that wee bit of all oh, right okay that's actually i i honestly love that yeah i think there's also weird. a balance of it too though just like uh you know you're talking about you listen to the matthew mcconaughey book uh there recently and he talks about the green lights like you sort of have to take the green lights when you can get them as well he talks about running downhill he's like when things are going good like sort of make the most of it like when you're when you're when things are going well you have the green lights like keep running keep going with that like so it's kind of a balance as well you don't want to be setting yourself up for like just because something's going well you don't want to be getting in the habit of thinking now everything's going to be terrible as well like so there's a balance to it like <laughs> yeah i think uh, probably probably it's some of the things that we have developed uh with time now i alluded earlier to the fact that myself and connor meet every week whether virtually or in person and we call it the accountability club so this happens maybe four years ago now i'd say like probably close was, to four yeah. Uh, we, we essentially we went from living together in university for and after the year after for two years in constant contact always talking about these ideas surrounded like so every time you read something you came in and you were chatting about it and it was perfect for when you were starting a business and then I moved home because uh, uh, I was starting the, the gym uh, at the house and Connor had moved into an apartment uh, with his now wife uh, Gemma and for about six but that was maybe happened in say july and by that christmas both of us had been talking intermittently and we're like oh we'll come up for a plan and then we'll like we'll chat and like both of us landed on the same thing that it was so much harder when we were separated from each other when we weren't in that consistent environment of talking to someone who has similar ideas who's on a similar level of pursuit 
and we were like, right, well, do you know what we'll do? Like, we really struggle doing stuff week to week, so we'll call it. We'll we'll meet every week and we'll call the accountability club, and like we'll we'll set tasks for the next week, and then you tell me if I've done. You let me know if you've done yours, and I let me know if you've done mine, and all all of those things. And that was how it started, uh, but it soon developed into not that. It became just basically an opportunity for the two of us to discuss highs, lows, ideas with the weeks going on. And again, another thing that was a bit of dumb luck, we were probably didn't realize just how good of an idea it was. It was just something we'd done for one reason when it came back with a million better reasons. Do you like, like what, what was your, like what's when you look at the accountability club, like what's your, what's your thoughts on its value uh, for someone? Yeah. It's probably, it's like funny that like men have to like, uh, call it something to just be to just talk to a friend like <laughs> to call it something outcome driven like uh but that's basically what it is just and i think like it's because like i think the biggest benefit of it is like if you if you have a job uh, a regular job and you're working within a team and everything else you sort of have that bit of accountability in terms of like some someone's going to be looking something off you like something a task done for next week your superior or whatever or you know, you're going to be passing on jobs to certain people and you're working within a structure that has like something uh, orientating us already. So when you're on your own and, and like it can be very easy not to have that structure because you don't really know what you're doing. You're doing your best and you're trying different things and everything else, but having a consistent meeting each week, uh, which in theory you could do by yourself, just have a sort of a meeting with yourself as such and just go through your plan and see what you're doing and everything else. But having someone to bounce it off and, you know, even keep, keep that little bit of accountability, even if it's only asking, did you get that done last week? You know, that can be, it can be really useful. And like I definitely found it really useful to have that consistent slot in the week where I know I'm bringing a few ideas to the table and maybe getting a bit of feedback. And like generally it's forcing me to also check in with myself and see like what am I at like am we doing everything right because like if you're thinking about that meeting you're going right well what am I going to say here or what what am I going to bring to the table and that's forcing you to go into yourself and sort of see what's going on so I think that's been just like a really good checkpoint within the week like um but yeah it's been a real staple that I found useful I suppose during sort of lockdown as well like it's been good to have like a consistent thing within the week where you're actually socializing even if it is over zoom or whatever yeah, I think you, you made a really good point. Something I hadn't really thought about too much about the fact that probably uh, like men need an excuse, need to call it something outcome driven. Like we need to be like, yeah, we're meeting, but it's not meeting for a chat and a coffee. It's a it's accountability club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's manly. It's business yeah. focused. <laughs> I have to laugh about it. Like, and it's probably right. And I think that's probably something we probably wouldn't have been like, oh, do you want to meet every week and just chat early in those because we yeah. just wouldn't have. Whereas. We have not. We have no problem with that now because we're we're well aware that whilst we positioned it as something to hold each other accountable, that really wasn't what it was. It was like an opportunity, probably an opportunity to discuss the ideas that you have and to work on accepting and giving criticism. I think we're very, like through off hundreds hundreds of hours, like a weekly meeting for the last four years. Yeah, hundreds of hours of this sort of a format like we said this multiple times like we need a recorder kind of elite club meetings because some of the stuff in it was gold uh like but being able to just look at someone and be like no i oh that's a load of shit like or like me saying like i would maybe tell you i was oh, i was going, i'm gonna do this this week and i would come back the next week and you're like did you get the done you're like oh no i didn't have time and like i 
maybe a, in normal situations or outside of that, people would sort of leave it. All oh, right, right, no problem. Whereas Connor would then take, assume the position of, okay, well, how much time does it take? And you're like, uh, uh, well, like it probably would take an hour. Okay, you didn't have an hour last week. And you're like, oh fuck, right, okay. I was like, well, it's not that you didn't have time. You didn't prioritize it, and you're like, it's a little bit uncomfortable initially. You've nowhere to turn, but you're like, yeah, it's it's actually true. It's really for I think for me the volume it has always been holding up a very like a very like real mirror mirror. I sorry, that's my Lurgan accent coming out. Mirror uh, <laughs> of uh, <laughs> of what what you're doing, like what who you, who you said you were going to be last last week when you're talking about this week, and then who you actually arrived. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I love that, and I think we're very probably brutally honest with each other because we've developed that trust and that definitely comes with time. I would encourage like anyone, males, females to pencil something in the diary, whether it's herself uh, and being honest and open with themselves or having someone that they can trust. It takes someone that you develop a certain level of trust with to really accept criticism. I know uh, myself and Aiden, this is the second podcast in a row, Aiden, has got a man to Aiden Forker because we were chatting the other night and he was talking about critic or talking about feedback and delivering it in a in a way that was constructive uh, and not talking about being per, like positive uh, positive or like feedback but productive feedback in that I mightn't want to hear it but you know that like you know me you know where I'm trying to get to and I mightn't like it in the moment but giving me something that's kind of brutally honest might be the best thing for me I I probably struggle I do this a lot of time with other people. Sometimes people think it as a wee bit blunt. I only try to do it with people when they know that I have their overarching best interest at heart. But that that can, that feedback aspect of that has been insanely valuable for me. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's, and it's hard to find. It's hard to find people who who will like tell you that you're not doing as well as you could be doing, especially when you're doing well. Like, where do you find somebody who's like? telling you that even though everything's going great and you're doing better than 90% of people or whatever, like you're still not doing, you're still not doing what you should be doing. You're still not doing enough, like, or maybe it's not enough, but you're still not, you know, fulfilling your potential as such. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I think like Aiden, cause Aiden's a teacher, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, like my, my mom's a teacher, my sister's a teacher. So I know that they have like certain things in place for like marking students homework and stuff. It's kind of, it's like, uh, like it's something like you have to give like one thing did well and then two things to work on. So it's kind of, that's a good, uh, it's a good sort of metric for, or maybe it stops the right way around, but uh, delivering that feedback in a way that's like, look, here's what you've done well. Here's something you can improve on as opposed to like, this is you're doing, that's terrible what you're doing or whatever it is. Like, Yeah. I think for me, uh, the best thing that I could advise someone that's trying to, trying to move towards better is find someone that they trust or they feel they could trust if they develop the relationship and let them in on the fact that they're on that journey and because the person will most likely like reciprocate by saying well do you know what i'm trying to move towards this or this and it may not like i think we talk about we're probably very outcome driven i want to build the business to this point i want to do this but it could just be a do you know what a genuinely just um, i want to be a little bit a little bit better not really happy with uh how i am as a as a husband, uh, as a partner, or what, as one of those things, and just having someone in an open forum to talk to you and knowing that the two of you can like, have that understanding of, okay, I can call you out in your bullshit and you can call me out in mine. And the caveat is we are both doing that because 
we cure, we don't like, I talk to people sometimes with clients when they talk to me about sometimes I can be like, I'll give somebody a harsh truth in like a curing way. And my, one of the things I'll say to them when I'm delivering that is I don't have to just answer to you. I have to answer to all future versions of you. Like the person that you want to be, it's like, I'm not here to make the current you feel good. I'm here to make sure that you move towards your goal and that that part version of you is facilitated because what they need for, in order for you to get there is for me to tell you something that you probably don't want to hear right now, but it's my rule to tell you because I'm your coach, you're paying me for a service and it's uncomfortable, but this is what it is. But I don't think you need to have a coach for that. I think that's something if you can find someone that you're willing to have those conversations with. And I think the way that we have had these conversations so consistently, I've realized, you know what, well, Connor's probably not the only person that I could have these type of conversations with. And I've, I've then went to seek them out, whether like similar people, that was how myself and Tony McAlevey, my partner in Headstrong and my own coach, that was how we started. And I think one of the things you said about talking to people who you feel are like probably are in a better position than you or ahead of you when myself and Tony were chatting, that was definitely my thoughts on, I was like, well, Tony's probably more successful than I am at the moment, but through a long time of us except like talking about feedback and like just looking at things abstractly and taking the emotion out of it. The first time we had had a conversation, I wasn't afraid to be like, okay, well, what are you struggling with? Where are you going? What direction are you going? And even if I wasn't technically ahead of him in one or two aspects, I wanted to know so I could facilitate, so I could challenge him. And when he came back, to, like I was kind of not expecting it. I, I wouldn't have as big of a following. I wouldn't have as big of a client list. Like we're in slightly separate like uh, industries, try slightly separate sort of like like businesses. He's like, I, I really valued that. Like that was really good. I, like I want to do that again. And it is having having those people that are willing to give you constructive criticism and, and call you out. Like the, the people closest to you tends to be the people that are willing to do that. Whether it's your friend, your partner, your family. Like the people you're closest to aren't the people that are going to really protect your feelings at all costs. They're the people who are willing to fuck you off in the short term. Yeah. And some days you have to be the person, you have to be willing to be the person that brings that aspect to the relationship, you know, to start it off. You know, it's, if you want that to be part of your relationship where you're challenging each other and, you know, uh, bringing out the best in each other, maybe you have to be the person that initiates that type of conversation rather than just presuming that that person isn't, that way of minded isn't uh ambitious or isn't uh driven instead of presuming that maybe just you have to be the one to give them a chance by revealing your own uh, interest in that area and that so yeah i think that's that's interesting yeah i think i think just further to that one of the things that like seeking out constructive criticism yourself uh, and approaching from a point if you're willing to be vulnerable in that position and like reach out for feedback on their part it's much easier for you to then do the same thing on the other side. And if you genuine, not in like a sort of token way, but in a genuine listen, like you have an insight that somebody else doesn't have, like I want your honest, honest opinion, honest feedback. And I well, did this, I, I do, do this with a podcast that these are my first few episodes. So I, before I upload them, will send them to like a group of people I know will give me honest feedback. Like they'll tell me what has went well, but they'll also say, listen, you keep saying this or when you're bridging between questions, you could do this. And that's what you need. Like if you're just going to look for people who are telling you that you're doing everything amazing, you're never actually going to grow. Uh, I think that's something that we'll, we'll talk on. We'll talk on in future episodes, but 
probably to get a little bit more practical because we have the habit of talking about very like high level principles and keeping it up in there and not bringing it down into the day to day. Like I'm, in, I'm interested to know what your what you find your key habits or your behaviors to help yourself move towards the best version of yourself. Like what what habits, behaviors, routines have you sort of developed over the last over the last years? and that you find the most sort of benefit from um it's hard to know as well because like whenever you're like whenever you're listening to someone giving advice i think it's always important to be to remember that like they might just be giving you yesterday's lottery numbers which like you know it's something to work for them for them but doesn't mean that it's going to work for you today so i don't know i'd be, I'd be quite cautious about giving any advice in terms of, of that but um i suppose so what what was the, what was the question again what what essentially key habits or behaviors that you have found useful for you for your own development so um i think well like for me like a key component is to look after your your body um you know make sure you're you're eating right you're training right you're keeping active you're sleeping right yeah hydrate is just the basics in terms of looking after your body and your um and therefore to a certain extent your mind um because everything that you everything that you're going to do is going to be done by your body as such the better you can the better you can keep that you know the better and 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 then as an extension of that um would be to sort of your mind and your your education and stuff like that the more you can upgrade i think yourself in terms of like in terms of that side of things and education and everything else everything you do is going to come from as a result of that so i think that's like basically like a fundamental is to look after your body and your mind um in terms of key habits to to do that um i suppose like you could look at either of our sort of pages in terms of nutrition and fitness and stuff like that you know where you find a find a diet that works right for you in terms of fueling any activity that you're doing as well as um moving your your body weight and body composition in the right direction um you know finding a training training sort of program that suits your uh, goals and your your preference um and then reading and uh, researching into things that you find interesting um, and really paying attention to what it is that you're finding interesting because that might be a clue towards what might be where you might want to move your career or your hobbies or your, your general life um and then i suppose in terms of practical practicalities yeah, I don't know. They've changed over the years, like in a practical day to day basis, in terms of like routines and morning routines and stuff like that. Um, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I find it hard to answer that question. Um, unless you maybe want something more specific in terms of like I don't know morning routines or books or like. Yeah, well, I, I would be interested to know as well what what your morning routine uh, is currently. And I I I know that. Texas state of flux every few months that their the aspects individually will change in that. And just to, to make the listener aware, like we both have routines that change a lot. We both have probably fundamental principles we like to follow, but the execution of them day to day will vary. But at the moment, what, what does your morning routine look like? Yeah, it's probably not something exciting. I'll be up around like just usually before seven o'clock. I get up and have a shower and make coffee and get to my desk and yeah at that stage the first thing i'll do is probably i'll, re- I'll read a bit like I've, I've been reading i'm getting a good good habit of reading for 30 minutes uh, at least each morning um and then getting a, a block of work done 
having breakfast then sort of around nine or half nine and then getting into like what I basically call like the deep, my deep work block for the day, which is like from 10, 10 a.m. sort of to uh, 2 p.m., um, which is then lunch. So like it's like a deep block work where I find like my energy is best for that type of thing. And deep work, essentially, if if you're not unsure, you get pretty self-explanatory, but the term itself is from a book um, called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And essentially means just time where you are like, putting aside to work on something that requires a lot of mental energy and that you're going to, you know, be pretty much distraction free for that whole time. Um, and that's, that's that t- tender time of day that I tend to work uh, best then lunch. And then in the afternoon, I'll usually do sort of more work. That's like back end stuff that can be sort of done as like, um, a bit more casually, maybe with a bit of music going on in the background or a podcast or something like that. And uh, then I'll train and then I'll chill out in the evening. So, that's pretty much it. Uh, I suppose for that deep work block, a practical thing, and you probably talked about it before, is using like a method where you're working for a stint of time without, without any distractions whatsoever, a predetermined amount of time, and then taking a short break and going at it again, so that you're not dipping out, dipping in and out of you know social media or chats or like emails in that block, but you're but you're allowing yourself that at a specific uh, period of time in between those work blocks. So usually, like the traditional sort of pomodoro method as such is like 25 minutes on five minutes off and that's what i tend to work best in yeah and i i think you've remained pretty consistent uh sticking to that i have struggled uh, i suppose to be completely honest with, with the listener i when i stick to that <clears throat> i get a lot done but it's kind of like one a lot of things that it works so well that i stopped doing it uh but and it, it worked i think it works best though as well for tasks that you actually have a specific outcome attached to it like if i need to get check in with x amount of clients that can be a deep work block because i know that the outcome is do this amount per work block get them done and that's it uh, that's it sort of done whereas if it's work that's more like planning oriented and like thinking and like uh looking at future prospects and stuff like that it's hard to just it's hard it's it's hard to count that as it's hard to see that in the same light because there's no outcome associated with it. Um, so yeah, like that, those times where you're where you're having to th- plan your next steps and stuff like that can be hard to use that exact uh, method for it. But anything that's like really, I have to get this outcome done by this in this amount of time, or I want to write a certain amount of words or something like that. I find it really useful for that type of work. Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. Now I think that's that's actually shed a little bit of light on my own. Uh, inconsistently doing it because I have a very structured day Monday and Tuesday but uh, the days after that I always struggle and I always can stick to the Pomodoro method when I have very like as you say like outcome plans or whether you're trying to produce like a piece of work or something like that whereas more abstract work never seems to fall within those constraints as well Uh, you like being one of the most well now you're a person that I know reads very consistently. Uh, I try to read a lot now. I like stop and start, and I think even just to give the, the listeners a bit of insight, so like a lot of the people that will be listening to this will obviously follow me on Instagram. And I post quite a lot of photos of books and stuff. Uh, I do that almost as a little bit of a 
external accountability that somebody is going to ask me, what did you think of that book? So if I post it, I'll be more inclined to sit down and read it or whether I put it on my story and uh, try and cultivate that, like the habit of reading and consuming and digesting and learning information like daily. But so I actually, well, we come back to, but I actually have something, I have something to sort of say about that, that I think go, go, go ahead. Uh, so I'd written an article, uh, few weeks back i can't remember exactly what it was but it touched it touched a wee bit i can't remember the exact title i mean um but it was about that idea of okay so you're you're using that and it might it might work i'm not saying it doesn't but you're using that as a form of accountability so i had given the example in that article of someone who has started going to the gym and they're trying to it makes sense to be using the form of accountability of social um social interactions like telling someone that you're doing something or uh, posting it on social media because that feedback from other people creates a, a bond basically like it's a, a neurochemical called oxytocin which is like interpersonal sort of stuff and uh, that can be motivating and that keep you going but it's important to realize what behavior you're actually motivating to uh, repeat so are you you know when someone's posting it that they've gone to the gym for the first time and they're saying, right, oh yeah, I've started a new gym program like 10 weeks from now, here I come sort of thing. They're actually getting reinforced the behavior of telling people that they're going to the gym as opposed to, or better yet, if they're posting saying, I'm going to start going to the gym, I've signed up for my first class. They're reinforcing the idea of starting going to the gym or rather telling people they're going to start going to the gym rather than having done 10 sessions and then maybe posting about it or maybe just not posting about it. But if they've done 10 sessions, they're reinforcing the habit of doing 10 sessions and getting the credit for that. So if you're in your example, say if you're posting about, right, uh, I'm, I'm halfway through this book or I'm reading this book, you're getting the credit maybe for posting that you're halfway through the book as opposed to after you've finished the book and posting what you've thought of the book. Then you're getting the then you're getting the social encouragement to actually have the book finished. So the next time you go into the book, you know you're not getting that credit until you finish the book. So I've just something just something I'd, I'd thought about, and I haven't articulated it very well there. But um, I think at the very core of it is you want to you want to you it's a it's a good idea to do that. It's a good idea to tell other people that you're uh, doing something because it creates a habit reinforcement. But it's important to be careful at what habit you're actually reinforcing. Um, so yeah, hopefully, I don't know if that sparked any thoughts. No, that's that's fantastic, and we've discussed something similar about getting the credit for something like posting that. And we, we, I suppose we have varying opinions. One of the things we have varying opinions on now, you would be very much of a, I'm going to wait until I have everything completely sorted about this before I post about it. Mm. Uh, whereas I like to write fucking checks and hope that my ass can cash them uh, and sort of follow it up and fully being aware that there will be occasions where that doesn't that isn't the case uh, and i think now for context i'm talking quite anecdotally what has worked for me connor as always is the is the more abstract thinker but between the two of us connor's studying a, a degree in psychology at the yeah. moment yeah so yeah because you've always been interested in that sort of a that that uh, those aspects of things but this is one of this is one of the reasons that i wanted uh, connor on to the podcast because there's a lot of stuff that i would be like yeah this is good i, I kind of like this and connor's always willing to be like 
well, actually, that the the research shows that this would be the case in this, and I come away with being like, okay, I read. Like Even now, I know how to do it better. Has anyone ever said to you, like, did you get did you get that book finished? Nobody's ever asked, have they got it finished? People have asked, what did you think of that? Yeah. Uh, so there's obviously a little, there's obviously that, a little bit of leeway. Has that ended up in you reading, finishing more books though? I, I think so, but Maybe I don't has. know. I'm, only, I, I'm asking just to actually out of interest. Uh, I think one of the things that I've found is if I would have been sitting down uh, and having a cup of coffee and reading a book and like sharing a photo of it, Anytime people are on my story, they're going to see me sitting down. Now, if I sit down and take a picture of the book and put it on my story, I'll sit there and I'll read it. Whereas there's other times, because I'll feel like a, a weird social obligation that I've shared that I'm this person. So then I have to back it up with the actions. I can't. I don't want to tell people I'm one person and then act in a, in a contradictory way. So I will sit down and, and, and do it in that way. And then probably taking a step back, if I'm consistently doing that, and then suddenly I stop doing that. I feel a little bit of pressure of, oh, well, I haven't been reading. And because I haven't been reading, I haven't been posting about it. So people now therefore know I'm not reading. And I'm advocating for people to develop themselves and to grow and all of those things. So I need to get back down to doing that. that I suppose that's the mechanism that I've found. That And again, sometimes I feel, I feel like when I do it consistently, like it works. And it's a bit of a chicken or the egg, which which came first like is it the, the reactive reading come first and did that solidify it or was it the post and photo it's probably the active reading but probably a little bit of p- placebo effect for me that i feel like oh that that encourages me on i'm, I'm not sure like that's yeah, that, that would be me yeah, well, well what you're t- what you're touching on there that would work in your favor is like the idea of like your create your um your affirming your identity as someone who reads by posting about the fact that you're reading and that's putting the pressure on you to keep doing it. So like, that's just another aspect that is probably working in your favor by, by posting about it is just reaffirming your identity as a reader. And that's, you know, the more you can become that, the more you're going to naturally sort of end up reading more. So yeah, it's interesting. Like, Yeah. And I think, uh, and I, as someone that like dives into quite difficult books, uh, because you know you're you've been reading through uh, Jordan Peterson's Maps of Meaning for a while. I tried to listen to it, and I I could barely listen to it. Uh, like it was just a too much. It was the pace was too much for me. I couldn't. It was kind of like sprinting only for your brain. Uh, I think, and I've always had this like from the early days. I really wasn't a big reader. I started off with audiobooks, and then I would start with quite easy books. And as times went on, now only lately I've been feeling brave enough to attempt more challenging books and i know that's something that that you've done but i suppose for the listeners that are they're feeling like they want to attempt a book but they're maybe a little bit apprehensive if they feel like it's a little bit too challenging what approaches have you found work when you're when you're like approaching that there are reading a, a book that you feel might be like a little bit more challenging than what you're used to uh well i would say most people probably most people's struggle is actually reading anything at all i think there's some like if you look up the statistics about the people that have read a book it's something like an average like person reads less than a book a year um which is like that's fair enough like but um i think that just indicates that most people's challenge is actually reading anything and i think in terms of that like the, the main thing is going to be like picking something that you're actually interested in and want to read 
um, whether that's like an autobiography of someone that you're like admire that you admire or uh, it's on a topic that's going to help you in work or it's something that someone you really respect has recommended to you something that's has a bit of interest in it for you is going to be very important because you're not going to you're not going to read it if you're not interested in it but once you're in the good habit of reading uh, and like your your issue isn't t- uh, prioritizing it and isn't setting out aside time to actually do it once you got to that point then i found really useful is to make a a syllabus for myself as such so i have a list of like the books that i'm going to read for the next three years basically like it's going to take me that long to read them but like i would i won't if i hear about a book i want to read i won't then go get that book and start reading it i'll put it to into my syllabus it's funny calling the syllabus but it's a list of books (laughs) put it into my list of books that i want to read uh so it avoids that thing of like spontaneously oh i want to read that book oh i started i want to read that book oh i started Whereas it has to slot into my into my list of books, and if by the time I get round to it, I don't want to read it, then that's that means it wasn't supposed to be on the list. And it's a good job I didn't just read it as soon as I heard about it. So having that list and that list is made up of books that I want to have read, uh, whether I'm in like not whether I'm interested or not, but whether I want to read them, they're books that I want to have read, uh, sort of books that I I deemed important enough that they're essential learning for me uh whether that's like you know there's so there's a canon of books like a list of books i think it's like 100 books called like the great books as such so it contains a list of books that are like anywhere from like thousands of years old to like a couple hundred years old to, to more recent ones uh and those are books that basically all of civilization is built on essentially like in a certain sense um, books that have lasted the test of time to this day and those type of books I think have to go into a list of books that you want to have read and at some point you're, you, some of them you're going to find really interesting and they're going to really spark a bit of a bit of joy in you and some of them are really like real slugs um, but when you've read them then you have that information like you you are a better person for having that information like you talked about the jordan peterson book and the two books he has out in the last couple of years the 12 rules and beyond order 12 more rules are really good books but they're easy enough read you know they're they're straightforward and they have come some complex ideas in them but they're made they're written for your average reader the maps of meaning book that he wrote in like 1999 was he wrote it as a textbook for his psychology students uh so it's a textbook so no like to be able to read it is not going to be like reading it it's taking a, a paragraph saying what do you think that means like how does that actually like bleed into the last paragraph and the next one and breaking it down that way um so it's a different ball game but having read it it's like it's uh you know stuff that you're reading the other books and you're thinking Oh, this book this is already covered in like one chapter of the textbook because like they're expanding on an idea and making it simply simple to read um but the fact that you already know it is like you know it was worth the journey like you look at the likes of like carl jung and like even to a certain extent the likes of like nietzsche and pe- people like that who like it's kind of pretentious whenever you mention like names like that because they go like you know they're the, the books that like i don't know philosophy courses uh or philosophy students read and stuff like that it's kind of but when you read them if you read like a, a if you carl young books you're like every self-help book in the, written in the last 10 years only touches on a slight part of 
a book that Carl Jung's written. So like once you've read, read Carl Jung and like a few other authors, obviously, once you've read those old books, you've pr- you, you, can, you don't even have to read the hundred to a thousand self-help books that have come out in the last 10 years because you have that information and more like so but it could take you as long to read one of those complex books as it could take you to read 10 self-help books like yeah i think now the reason i bring this up is the reason brought up that question was a little bit selfish on my part i have attempted to read uh Nietzsche's Beyond Good and Evil and uh, uh, Connor's laughing. <laughs> uh, I used to say that I have 10 pages read in the guts of an hour uh, and going through it with a fine tooth comb and like, re- like Googling words, like every line brought a new word that I had to Google. Yeah. Uh, and it was it was a real challenge, but I feel, I feel like the act of grappling with it in itself is rewarding. Yeah. And I think you said something there and I've heard you said a different version of it. Like nobody likes having like reading those books. They're like, the fact that they've read them mm-hmm. uh, and one of the things that we always talk about running i absolutely despise running you, you run a marathon uh last no the year before last and yeah. uh we you, you said the same phrase to me that yeah uh, nobody likes running people like having run uh, yeah. and <laughs> i think that's i think that's the perfect way to, to talk about it that it's it is that it's almost like a little like snapshot of that adversity thing that we're talking about that like the stress, this like the concise like feeling of difficulty, pain, pain, adversity, like all of those things that nobody likes that. But as a byproduct of that, there you'll always you'll always grow, you'll always develop, and that's like it, nearly in a way you sh- you should be chasing that feeling of challenging. Like if you don't feel challenged in what you're reading and what you're doing, and again now. We, we chat all the time, but like always when we chat, I'm going to go away and adjust a few behaviors, like uh, and tweak things just from having this conversation that was really for the really for the listener, but I've been, been able to benefit. But I think that's, that's just over an hour there. So we're going to wrap it up now. Connor will be essentially a reoccurring co-host. I think that would be the, the, way, to, <laughs> the way to describe you for the last while. Uh, myself and Connor talk about these ideas all of the time anyway some of them will be very practical some of them will be up in the clouds but we'll definitely like we'll definitely repeat this on a sort of semi-regular basis every every couple of every few episodes every five episodes whatever it is have Connor back on and we'll take a concept and deconstruct it and chat about different things uh I I'm really a facilitator here uh, for, for for Connor's thinking as, as much as anything <laughs> but just I suppose to to allow the listeners a, a bit of a chance to see where they can find you and find out and maybe even work with you uh, but if they've, they've related with the ideas you have do you want to give a little plug there yeah uh, you can search for know yourself performance that's wherever wherever you get your content instagram's probably the main one that i would tend to um be posting on uh and if you're already listening to the podcast you can just search for know yourself performance podcast not something that i put a lot of lot into yet it's just me reading a few articles so far um but yeah there'll be a few things in, in down the line that that'll pop up with that but we'll check that's probably two places you can check me out uh perfect connor thank you very much for joining me today and that'll wrap up episode three of the case and better every day podcast remember to follow and subscribe and give us wee five stars if you fancy there but that's everything uh, goodbye folks Bye.